it's time for We Talk Disney, the podcast that brings you news and information about all things Disney travel related. The theme parks, the resorts, the cruises, complete with tips to maximize your Disney experiences and save you money. It's time for the rope drop as we begin another episode of We Talk Disney. Oh boy, are we glad you're here. Big doing's going on, so let's get started. Hi, I'm Kimberly Allen. I'm Ed Owen. And this is We Talk Disney. It is the podcast where we do just that. We talk Disney about all sorts of things. And uh, we're glad to have you back. We hope you made it through our first episode. Now you're here for our second, where today we get in-depth about Kim's trip to uh, Walt Disney World, which just occurred a few weeks back. And in the second part of our show, we'll talk about some things that are going on. That's right. News from the Disney World, not the Disney World, Walt Disney World, but the Disney scheme of things, including... Free dining. Yes. And uh, gondola problems continue. They <laughs> do. And then we're going to talk about expansion of um, Walt Disney World uh, with some land purchases, which kind of came out of the blue and people were like, oh, we're so excited. And they've kind of ignored the last eight, well, 12, 13 months yes. when this has really been going on. Exactly. So, Kimberly Allen, if you listened in our first episode, we talked about her recent trip to Disney World. Eight nights, right? Um, nine nights. Okay. We were there ten full days, um, and we did um, our traveling. We stayed on property and mm-hmm. and everything. But I think we just wanted to do a brief overview of, okay, you've decided you're going to take a trip. It's the what now. We are talking about you, yes. the listener. Exactly. Because she has been through all yes, of this. Yes, but I, I have, I've been through the whole process just like you're going through right now. And I've tried to tackle some of those issues. And I really think the very first thing, now, yes, we did 10, 10 days, nine nights. Right. But that's going to vary for everybody. So when we're talking about the number of days... One, I think you got to look at, okay, what can I feasibly do? What can I get off from work? Or Mm -hmm. what will my time allot me? And know the dynamics of the party you're going with. Now, is it your whole entire family, including kids? Or is it just you? Or is it you and a significant other? I think that plays a big part in what you're going to do as far as the number of days. The other thing that plays into it is the physicality of those people. Exactly. You know, um, are you able to get around uh, as, you know, best as, you know, you hope? Um, Or are you limited in the way that you can do some things? That's going to make a big difference as well. And also, we might throw in the time of year. It is. Because of the weather. It is. Now, for us, the reason why we chose Disney in December And for the nine nights, for our decision, and this might help you with yours, I had to look at the fact that, one, my husband was not a big Disney fan, and I knew I was not going to have him from Rope Drop. That is really stretching it when you say, well, he's not a Disney. He he, he (laughs) He cares nothing about this. Nothing about it. So to get him in the park from literally 6 a.m. to midnight, I knew was impossible. So with knowing my limitations, I knew that it was going to take more days to accomplish what I ultimately wanted to accomplish. Yes, that meant more park tickets and and et cetera. But in the scheme of things, it made everyone, including him and myself and everybody around us, much happier. Mm -hmm. Um, So for us, and it may be for you, hitting the parks from rope drop to midnight may not be something you, you physically want to do or try to tackle. For others, they live for it. 
to be there literally from the, the time you can get there until the time you're forced to leave is what they love. So once you've kind of got that, that's going to help you with your days in your park. Now, the second one um, was really the thought of hotel. Mm-hmm. Now, the hotel, I think, is one of the things that you need to always make sure you plan ahead. Once you know the number of days, you need to decide, do I want to stay on Disney property? Yes, 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 yes. yes. Or off Disney property. Now, I will say that this particular one, when I asked my husband, because I thought, you know, I'm going to involve him some in this. He goes, let him think he's really making decisions, even though he really wasn't. Wasn't. Well, yeah. yeah. Some things he did do. But but he was like, of course, I want to stay on property. I want to experience the whole thing if you're making me go. So for me, I was like, yay. But that's when you have to look. When you're talking over 20 different hotels that are Disney-owned, mm-hmm. not the good neighbor. We're not even counting the good neighbor. And now we've got more with the Riviera just opening. Um, you've got everything from DVC Deluxe down to the value resorts. Yep. So, so you're talking about a wide range of money. Huge. Range of money, range of amenities, and yes. range of um, transportation options. So when you set down paper to pencil, this is one I want to consider you you all to consider. And this was one thing that I considered. One, are you going to actually utilize all the amenities at the particular resort that you are at? If you're a person that loves to sip, you know, cocktails by the pool at least once or twice the entire vacation or get a massage at the at your particular location, then you need to have those amenities. The Grand Floridian's going to be a lot nicer than yes. the all-star music. Exactly. But if you're someone, you're going to go to the parks, you might come back for a short rest, go right back. You may eat a few meals here and there, but you're not going to use the pool. You're not, that doesn't, that's not a factor for you then you really might consider a moderate or a value. And the other thing you can think about in this is if you are staying in a value, you can still go over to those moderates. Yes. You can still go over to those other hotels. Oh, yes. And sit out by the pool and have a cocktail and all that. So you're going to get the access to that. Exactly. It's just what is it worth to you to be your have your room right there precisely where you're having that drink um now for us i'll kind of let you know how we came about our decision in a nutshell something very quickly we'll get in more details on on later episodes but my husband does not like to swim he could care less if we get a massage Mm -hmm. as long as he has coffee in the morning that's what matters to him and does he have to walk three miles just to get to the bus well so what we chose to do was a preferred room at the Pop Century, which gave us easy access to the dining and the transportation. And we were not that far from the gondola. So we had transportation choices of the bus or the gondola. And we could grab quick service very early as like 536 in the morning. And there was availability as late as 11 or 12 at night. So for us, that was fine for our first trip. Now, Ed, you had mentioned the resort hopping yes we took a day to do just that we took a whole afternoon and early evening to just resort hop like the monorail the dvc monorail crawl for yes. those of you who've been there now we didn't hit all of the ones that i wanted to but we hit 90 percent of them what's your favorite of the ones you visited well we both decided that the wilderness lodge 
that will be where we stay the next time when we both go. Love that fireplace in there. Gorgeous. Yeah. And at Christmas time, it was beautiful. And he goes, you know what? We, we've been to all these others. And this is the one that I walk in and I feel comfortable. I feel at home. So when they say welcome home, mm-hmm. he goes, I feel like this could be home. And at the Wilderness Lodge, you have tons of different options. Yes, it is a higher end deluxe. Um, and we'll get down the road how you can maybe stay at those for not quite as expensive, how you yes. save up. But he also liked the fact, too, is that there were way more dining options. So that is something that... Especially if you're staying that many days. Exactly. So he said, for a four or five day, it wouldn't matter. But now that we've been here as long, I've kind of gotten tired of the same thing on a quick. You just want to rock down. You know what's really cool to me? You're sitting here talking about your husband saying about our next trip. Yes. Which you and I talked many times before we went, if there will ever be a second trip. There will be. For him. And, and he came back, although he doesn't like to admit it mm-hmm. publicly as much... He had a great time. I think he did. And yeah. he and he even said this to me um, about halfway through. He said, you know what? You've done an amazing job planning this because even he will tell you we did not wait for anything. Mm-hmm. And we rode Rise of the Resistance, Millennial Falcon, Flight of Passage more than once. So we'll get into that planning, too, as we get into other episodes. So right. for a non-Disney person who doesn't want to be there to look at me and say, you know, you did a really good job planning you can do that too and we're going to help you with that down the road so once you've kind of decided okay this particular trip this is the hotel we're going with and this is how many days now you got to decide tickets there's so many options they've come out this year with the 89 dollars a day one park one day ticket you can get up to four of those however you'd like to do that um they now have different options with annual passes they've got some great regular just one park a day you could do one two three or four or you could do park hoppers Mm -hmm. now this is where we sit down money yes does need to be an option but once again we're talking who you're with what you plan on doing i knew good and well that i was not going to be able to do just one park a day and get everything done we would be going in and out And I knew good and well at night, he's probably going to change my plans, which did happen almost every single night, by the way. So, And and you had a pretty intensive list of planning list of things to do. And I would say probably about, oh, 30% of that changed completely. But you know what? That's okay. You've got, you plan so that you can be able to be flexible. Maximize your time and then you can flex it exactly, around. Yeah. Exactly. And make decisions. So for us, the park hopper made perfectly good sense. I did not feel like that extra that we were spending would be wasted. Because and it's not that much. It's not really. Um, now I can understand if you're talking a family of six or seven, yeah. it, it, can, it can really add up. And then you go, hmm, I could spend maybe an extra day, completely an extra day, if I don't do that, I can understand that. Mm-hmm. So this is where the pen to the paper, once again, makes sense. But for us, the park hopper allowed us to go that morning to the where we had planned, do what we needed to do. Sometime around lunchtime, we'd take a little rest. Mm-hmm. But then we could look using my Disney app to decide, okay, do we want to change our plans? What park is now really crowded? Do we want to go back? Do we want to do this? So if there wasn't things that we just really didn't feel we could adjust, we could do whatever we wanted. I'm a little different in the way I've approached it in the past from you, and I'm probably more like your husband in that over the years, I've probably 
other than the first time I went in the early 70s, I've never stayed more than six or seven hours in a park. Oh, yes. Because I will go for two, three, four hours knowing what I want to see, mm-hmm. use, enjoy the atmosphere a little bit, and then go back to the hotel or go somewhere else and then maybe hit a second park. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're right about the park hoppers and the flexibility of hours, especially if you're talking about in uh, a time when they're open later. Exactly. And also with those extra magic hours that you do get when you stay on resort property, it's excellent to maximize those early park hours. But once the full public gets there, it's wonderful to be able to hop over to a less crowded park. Sure. And so you have that flexibility. You have that ability. And you were the guru of the app before you left. Oh, my word. The My Disney Experience app is phenomenal. And I did. I utilized it constantly. Um, But then there's the Play Disney app. So what little bit we were in lines, I was able to utilize that. And we actually had some fun with that. Not just us, but people in front of us and behind us, we'd start doing things. And we'll get into that a little bit more as we get into the planning part. Okay, so now we know how many days. You you finally, over agonizing calendars, you figured out the time of year and the date. Because for us, we wanted to go cooler. My husband does have some breathing issues. Right. And if for us, the heat of the summer just was not, there's no way. There's just no way. He would not be able to. So with going with the cooler temperatures, even though it did hit 80s very frequently, um, the nights were always a little bit cooler. And 80-something was the high, not 100-something. So it was much more tolerable, uh, much easier to deal with. But, you know, you got to look at your calendar. If you can only do when school's out, that's what you have to do. Let me just throw a thought in here while you're talking, mm-hmm. and it is as you talk about all of this planning and coordination and all, this is for a trip that was for, what, nine nights? Nine nights. Okay. The less nights you go, really, the more planning and the more yes. coordination you have yes. to have because you're not going to have the time that Kimberly had to do all of this. So keep that in mind, Please. and we, we will address a lot of that as we go down oh, the yes. road. Because so. um, when you're doing your planning, like I said, and you had mentioned, maximizing, you're spending a lot of money on this. Maximize it. For our case, with him never going and having been so long for me, I felt we really needed that many days. Looking back on it now, or if I'm planning our next one, our next one will not be quite that long. Because now I kind of know how he is. I know what we want to see. I know what we want to do. We will have our grandbaby with us at that time. So things will be geared more around her Mm -hmm. than our needs. So once again, we'll have to plan a little bit differently. But you still have to think about all of this, including dining. Now. The dining plan I agonized over for months and months and months and months before we ever booked um, and actually wasn't 100% sure even after I booked, okay, am I really going to keep this? There's three levels of dining. And just to give you a brief overview for those of you who are not familiar with Disney dining packages. For those of you who are, bear with us. That's right. And you'll go, okay, that's all I need. We know all this. We (laughs) We know this. You don't have to tell us, but we know. You must be staying at a Disney resort. It, you can add it as long as you're staying at a Disney resort. Now, if you're an annual pass holder, you can add that as well, but you don't get other discounts and stuff like that. So it's not necessarily combined multiple discounts upon itself. They do offer free dining on occasion. 
um, and that has got limitations as well. Number of days, park tickets that go with it. With my particular package, you just had to have any park park tickets. Um, you did not limit, because I did not get free dining. I did not have any huge discounts with my particular bookings when I booked farther out. Um, but it allowed me to go ahead and add it and you have three choices. You can do just a quick service. So if you're somebody who just wants to grab and go, it includes two quick service meals a day, two snacks a day, and a refillable mug that you can use at the resorts, resort only. It's not in the parks, just the resorts. Right. But if you're park hopping, take it with you because you can use it at other resorts as well. Then there is what they call the regular Disney dining that includes a quick service, a table service, your two snacks, and also includes the resort mug. Now, if you're a big eater or you, you're a foodie, going to Disney means you're going to eat the food. Well, then you want the deluxe. It includes three table services, two snacks, and it includes the refillable mug. I would have to waddle after that. Yes. Yes. Now, there's pros and cons to each and every one, and we will touch on that on a later one. We'll get a I little more in depth. episode, we're going to yes. go through the actual meal plan and, yes. and, and your how it worked out for you. Because but, as I said in our first episode, find 10 people that like it, you'll find 10, or that think it's valuable yes. or a value. You'll find 10 people who say, no, no. And I've been in between on it for years. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you and I have talked just last night. I booked a trip. And we're going to talk about free Disney dining because they offered it starting yesterday morning. And I said, I hopped on yesterday and, 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 you know, got a trip for later this year. Well, you know, and and I figure, you know, it's the free dining. Now, that's when it's a no brainer, when it's free. Pretty much. Now, you don't get added room discounts or ticket discounts. But you weigh all that out, and I, I think there's there's a lot of there's pros and cons to all of it. But when we get into the details, I'm going to explain to you how I determined. Okay, I don't know if this is going to be good or bad, but we're going to track this, and so we'll be sharing how I tracked that and how we came up whether it was a good value or not. Now, the other thing I want to ask you about is. The fact that you chose to go through uh, a long-established travel agent to do this. And I see people all the time, well, you can do it online. You can do this. You can do that, which you can. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people, you know, my, my other life, I'm a tour guide in Nashville. So yes. I like to think that there is value in, in having people who are experts on things because they can get you more time value let's say they can't than anything uh than than you might be able to get you chose to do that Mm -hmm. and to work with someone now in the future you probably don't have to do that but for a first time was that a good decision i think it was um now i'm going to preempt this was just a little bit not every travel agent is created equal and I probably should have done a little bit more research. Not, I'm not going to say bad either way, good, bad, or indifferent. But travel agents can be amazing help. I mean, when my day came that I needed my ADRs, which is advanced dining reservations, for those of you that aren't familiar, 180 days out, mm-hmm. she took care of it. She's the one who woke up early and took care of it. I just made sure three days in advance she had my request. Now, I still had to decide what time, what day, and blah, blah, and all that good stuff. But she's the one who had to get up and make it happen. 
and she did. She got every single one of my reservations except for one that um, they released a few days after my 180 days mark, the Ogas Cantina. Mm-hmm. So I did not even wait on her because I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna even worry. That was one that I did because I was like. I am not missing Oga's Cantina when I know we are going to be there. And I'm glad I did, but she would have done that for me too. But um, the day that Fast Passes came, 60 days in advance because I was staying on resort property, she's the one who took my request and got up nice and early and had to take care of all of that. And she did get all my Fast Pass requests as well. So there's a lot of good things. I mean, when a new discount comes available, your travel agent can help apply all of that. You don't need to wait online. They do all of that. Um, they help you with tips. They help you with information along the way. Now, I am very proactive. That wasn't necessarily needed for me because I probably, well, I would say 98% of the time already knew what she was contacting me about. But for the average person who's not constantly researching that's a really big help to have someone, hey, you might be, or hey, or this or that or the other. Um, just answering simple questions like, can I use my a Disney gift card to play golf? Or what are my limitations here and there? They really do help out a lot. So if you have not been to, even if you've been to Disney a bunch of times, but maybe it's been a while, right? I would say, yes, the travel agent's going to help a lot with the headaches. And if something arises during your trip, they'll be there for you. Well, and another thing that I will bring out is that over the course of my adulthood and Disney fandom, uh, there's kind of a thing, and there should be a name for it, and I don't guess there is, where every big-time, heavy-duty Disney fan thinks they can be a travel agent. And, uh, (laughs) you know, they, and, and so you see a lot of people who say, I can get in this and then I can go all the time and I can get this and this and this and this. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. The passion is great and the passion drives them to get in there. You want to make sure that passion though, is not just for themselves, but to help you and and the knowledge background. And that's the, and they need to be willing to be highly detailed and a plan, even if you're not You've got to think that your your travel agent needs to be highly detailed in the fact because they're not only taking care of you, but there are others. So whether it's that they're they're planning every single detail for you or they're not, is regardless, they still need to be a detailed person because they have to be able to take care of multiple people and make them all happy. Um, and there's there's a lot of great resources if you have questions or anything. Now, I, I did have a few issues here and there, and I won't, I won't get into all of that. That's the reason why I said really make sure you research who your travel agent is and don't be scared to communicate with them. Don't always wait for them to communicate with you. Well, and, and I think, and I won't, I won't try to take your thunder on any of it, but make sure where they are positioned in this Correct. industry because I think that's where you maybe ran into some issues, and it all worked out. Uh, I think. Yes. Uh, we'll find out later. But, um, you know, just make sure that they are solid where they are and what they're doing. And I think personality has a lot to do with it. Make it sure does. it's somebody you like. 
Exactly. Exactly. With with the resources we have today on the web and Disney groups and and all that, every time you look up, somebody is trying to, you know, help you with your Disney, uh, Disney planning. And that's, that's not a bad thing. It's not. So once you've kind of sat down and you've jotted some things, this is what I want to tell you to do is make sure everything's technically in pencil at first. Mm -hmm. Because even things that I thought six months in advance, for sure, uh, it got changed just a little bit sometimes before we even left. Because there's new developments constantly at Disney, or there's new things released, concert series. It could be a a new person that was going to be the narrator for the um, candlelight service. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be something that simple. Be willing to be flexible. Don't be so gung-ho that you don't give yourself an allotment to be flexible. And I think if you go in there with the right expectations, this needs to be for your whole family. Um, Whether they're teeny tiny or you're, you know, young at heart, (laughs) you know, considerably older. That's me. She's talking. Well, and and all of us, I mean, because most (laughs) of us are looked at, I can't believe you're still going to Disney. That's right. The thing is, is you need to manage your expectations. You can't do everything in one trip. Uh, weather's not always going to be beautiful and sunshine. There are going to be people around you that are not going to be the happiest people in the world. So there's some things you can't control. And I think if you go in with the expectation, I'm just going to make the very most and maximize and love it, you will. I think that has a big thing to do with it. And the more people that are in your party, the more chances there are for things and i won't say go wrong no but things to change because of i like this i don't like that somebody's not feeling well somebody's tired we've got to adjust this so you know as you said plan it down to the minute but be prepared for for changes and the other thing i wanted to mention you know you talked about the uh, we talked about the uh, travel agent aspect of it there are a lot of us who are kind of hands-on, who you may want somebody to kind of give you some guidance, but then a major part of it you want to do yourself because you want to say, oh, I did this and I jumped in there. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's like, um, it's like buying things on eBay when you slip in there at the last second and you get something (laughs) and you know, somebody was bidding against you and you feel this power, you know, it's like superhero because I bought something. That's right. Same thing in planning for Disney. Um, because there are so many different routes you can go and and roads you can take. There is. So don't, don't be scared to communicate that with your travel agent. If the, maybe the travel agent is not doing as much as you want or they're doing too much, let them know they're there to serve you either way. Oh, Ray some cane. I saw Kimberly in here. The phone was melting. Oh, uh, well, yeah, I d- you just kind of get, but I'll work no, I, I'm kidding. I don't want but, people to yes, think that. I'm but. actually pretty nice for the most part, yeah. but there, there can, there can be, um, some great benefits to it. So I encourage you to do some research, think out early. It is a lot of people, they can do a last minute, okay, 30 days, we're going to Disney, we're going to have fun, and that works. But I would tell you if it's something that's on your bucket list or something you want to do, even if you've been many times, it's always a good idea to plan out. Just because if nothing else, you're able to budget better, you're able to kind of do that dreaming. I don't know about you, but for me, the planning part is as almost as fun as going. Because I, it, I agree. Yeah. It just keeps you going. It keeps you in that mode of, 
my vacation is now 58 days away. We talked about last episode, the fact that when I was much younger, that I kept a reservation constantly. And this is back 40 years ago when people didn't go to Disney all the time. (laughs) So I was, even though I'm enough of a weirdo now, I was really the weirdo then. And, um, And that was it. I was always looking forward to that date. And I think most Disney people are kind of like that yes even if it's a couple of years or three years away i i mean i get it i mean i'm doing quite a bit this year but it'll be a few years after that because my husband's like okay budget does not allow plus there are things in his bucket list you need to be mindful of those in your family i mean maybe they have something else that they really they love to do disney with you because they love you but they also want you to do something else with them so just be mindful of that and i think in your planning you're going to end up um having a wonderful time with the right expectations and the right um, work involved that fits your party and fits your needs. And we're going to hit in detail all of these because, oh, we could go on for days, but we're not. We're just going to kind of give you a <laughs> We don't brief want to drive overview. you through that. That's right. Next episode, we will talk about the, uh, the meal plan that yes. you went under and um, you had a great photo and we'll put it on the, on the website next week of all of your receipts from dinner. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about how to approach the meal plan, how to look at it. Because, you know, if you look at it kind of like I do, oh, well, I don't need to eat that much. You can plan under it if you want to. Exactly. But if you want to, you can actually plan beyond it. And I'm talking about cost. Mm-hmm. And it's just really what's important to you. There's no right or wrong. That's right. On it. And we'll do that in our next episode. Stay with us. News is next. You're listening to We Talk Disney. Now, here's the latest news, rumors, and gossip from the House of Mouse. This is We Talk Disney, where we talk Disney. I'm Ed Owen. And I'm Kimberly Allen. What is going on in the exciting world of Disney this week? Big news, Kim. Yes, very big news. A lot of people wait and wait for this. And this is not something that wasn't, um, was a big surprise. No, it wasn't. kind of thought this was coming on, and of course, we're talking about free Disney dining, which, you know, Disney people are excited all the time. They get even (laughs) more so when they're free dining, which they should. They should. So let's talk about what is available for you right now. Um, This is a limited offer. Must be booked by January 16th, 2020. Now, this this will be going out about 10 days before that. So keep that in mind. January 16th, 2020. The dates available are June 27th through the 28th. It's just a two-day window, but there's some things about that we'll talk about. July 5th through July 7th, and August 29th through September 8th. Now, the interesting thing about that is you think, well, what good does that do me two days i want more than that you can have more than that that is exactly right because what they do is it goes by the date that you're checking in so let's say that it is september 8th when you want to be the checking in and you want to extend your vacation into the next week as long as you arrive during that dining period you can utilize the dining period for up to 14 days in that one trip now there's still some some things that you have to do has to be a minimum of four nights you have to have four day park hopper tickets and it can't go beyond 14 nights but as long as you check in even on the very last day of that window 
all your days will count for that dining. And that's exactly what I did yesterday. I logged in um, uh, through my, my portal, and um, I, I will arrive September 8th. Correct. And I'll be there for five nights, and I have Disney dining the entire time, even though it's past that window. It is available at most, but not all, Disney properties. Correct. Uh, but you can ask whoever, or you, you can find out when you when you do a little search on that. And um, just mark your calendar. January 2nd appears to be a time that Disney has decided we'll, we'll figure our dates, yes. and everybody gets all excited, and you can book it. And that, this is not the first time this has happened. Probably Correct. won't be the last. Correct. And last year was a year that not only did they offer it once, but they offered it twice throughout the year. So I want to encourage you to, if you go, okay, none of those dates go with what I want. Don't, don't just get discouraged. Do not get discouraged. And remember that with this, you cannot stack upon there a room discount or ticket discount. So that's where paper to pencil, once again, is going to help you determine whether that really truly saves you money. But I think it's a great deal I mean, just utilize it, and you're going you're going to save some money. We're going to at some point we will analyze that, but I can't imagine that room discounts and all would save you more than you're going to be able to get through free dining. Well, when, when we analyze that, I will give you a situation that it did. Okay. Um, for my personal situation, but we'll we'll get so I've got your your kind of curiosity built up of how <laughs> in the world. Just be listening for that episode, and, and we'll kind of teach you a little bit about how planning ahead might actually save you even more money. All right, so Kimberly went to uh, Disney World, and she rode the Skyliner, and uh, we thought everything was fixed, and you broke it, Kimberly. They're still I, I came back issues. and it broke. Well, the thing is, right before we went, my husband saw that first little incident where they kind of collided. It's like one did not go as fast, and et cetera. And when we walked from, we stayed at Pop Century, so the entrance was very close. It's kind of in between the art of animation and Pop Century. He was like, I can't believe I'm letting you get me on this. He's not terrified of heights. Please understand that. He he just was uncomfortable with if he felt like it was. He's terrified of things that don't work properly. Yes, and he is. can't fix them because where he's at, he has no tools. Yes. So I said, just bear with me, do at least one trip. So we went from the Pop Century to the main hub at the Caribbean Beach, got on the next line to go over to um, Epcot, mm-hmm. which takes you into the back of the International Gateway. He was not real happy. He, he didn't think it was as smooth of a ride. The cables and everything, they're very safe, but he didn't feel like it was as smooth of a ride. And when you take off and when you're coming in, just just prepare yourself. You think you're going to hit whoever's in front of you or you're going to go sailing when you jack when you kind of launch out because it is it's very quick. To me, I would have been like, "Okay, put the brakes on a little bit sooner." But you know, they have all of those details worked out. It for me, I'm terrified of heights. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I had no you don't problem really think with it. about being up there. It I mean, wasn't. I looked out. If you have something out. under you, it's okay. Yes. And I was looking out. The gondolas were very well done. And matter of fact, we rode by ourselves. We didn't have additional people with us. And if it's not super crowded, um, you won't have to. The way they've got the handicap and wheelchair accessible and EVC accessible, it doesn't slow down the line hardly at all. I mean, they've really got it. It's in a separate 
section where they literally will stop that particular gondola you get on and then it becomes part of the line again so we're I, I would have no qualms when we go back again coming up in March we will take the gondola system. Well, the issue right now, if you hear, oh, the gondolas aren't working, it's not really a, situ- a safety situation. It is a door situation, from what I understand. They're having issues with some of the doors not wanting to secure properly or securing too much. And so what they have done for the time being, while they're working out that, which I think is a minor issue, is they're just not using those cars. Correct. So, you know, it's Correct. not like the thing is, you know, stopping and you're stuck up there for like it but here's what we did when we went on the gondola and we mm-hmm. knew we were going to get on it we went to the bathroom which there are bathrooms there at the gondola stations okay. go to the bathroom have yourself some water there you go and then if you do have a stop at least you've gone to the bathroom you're not having to go to the bathroom while you're on the gondola even if it's just a couple of minutes delay and then you've got some water but they do have emergency kits since the very first time when they had some situation they're much better about communicating what's going on, letting you know what's happening and time frame. So I, I know Disney, they will continue to make improvements, and I think we're going to see less and less of those downtimes. All right, so hopefully, maybe even by the time you hear this, they'll figure out what the door problem is and, exactly. and have that fixed. And then people were all abuzz in the last few weeks because Disney uh, purchased in December 235 additional acres. What people had kind of missed was the fact they have been on a buying spree for about, well, since December of exactly. 2018. And in that time, they bought 2,775 acres. We'll get into that in just a moment. First, I want to go back to November 15th, 1965. It was a press conference in Orlando with Walt Disney, his brother Roy, and Governor Hayden Burns of Florida. And this was the first day that it became official that Walt Disney and the Disney Corporation were moving to Orlando. A lot of rumors before that, but this was the first press conference. I'm going to post a link to the entire press conference, so if you want to watch it, it's actually on YouTube. You can, but here's what Walt had to say about what he was going to do at uh, the new property. We have many things in mind that could make this unique and different than Disneyland. Will it be at Disneyland? Well, uh... I've always said there will never be another Disneyland, Governor, and uh, I think it's going to work out that way, but it will be the equivalent of Disneyland. We know the basic things that have this, what I call, family appeal, but there's many ways that you can use those certain basic things and give them a new decor, a new treatment. Uh, In fact, I've been doing that with Disneyland. Some of my things, I've redone them as I've gone along, reshaped them. Right now, I'm in the process of adding $20 million in new things to open next June at Disneyland. But uh, this concept here will have to be something that is unique and uh, so that there is a distinction between Disneyland in California and whatever Disney does. I notice I didn't say Disneyland in Florida. Whatever <laughs> Disney does in Florida. And uh, we have many ideas. I have a wonderful staff now that have had 10 years experience of designing, planning, and operating. In fact, we did the four shows at the World's Fair, and it was a a new departure for us. It was something we'd never tackled before. And fortunately, they were four very successful shows at the New York World's Fair. In fact, one project there, which 
was one of the uh, top attractions at the fair was called It's a Small World. It was sponsored by the Pepsi-Cola Company. They came to us 11 months before the fair opened and, and asked us to come up with some kind of a, of a show for them. And we had the show open on time. And, and when they came to us, we didn't have any idea what the show was going to be. But uh, it's one of those things you get in, you know, we, we call them gag sessions. We get in there and we toss ideas around. Everybody's been thinking on the staff of things that might be done if we were redoing Disneyland. And we throw them in and put all the uh, minds together and come up with something. And uh, say a little prayer and open it and hope it'll go. But I, uh, I'm very excited about it because I've, I've been storing these things up over the years. And... Uh, certain attractions at Disneyland that have a basic appeal, I might move here. Then again, I would like to create new things. You hate to repeat yourself. I, I, I don't like to make sequels to my pictures. I like to make a, take a new thing and develop something, a new concept. So that's about the only way I can put it, Governor. Kimberly, it was exactly one year and one month later that Walt Disney died. Yes. And of course, he never saw what came to fruition there at um, at Walt Disney World, which his brother Roy eventually penned that name and said it needs to be there. Also, in our links, I'm going to uh, post a link to a very well done, about a 15-minute documentary about the whole idea of, of how Disney bought that land the first time. Yes, the whole very process. interesting. They, you know, CIA had nothing on them nope, back then. Nope. But here's what's going on, folks. Uh, Disney World, the original Walt Disney World, the original land grab back in the uh, '60s was about thirty thousand five hundred acres. Mm-hmm. In the last year, thirteen months to be precise, they have purchased over about twenty-seven hundred seventy-five acres. It's going to increase the size of the park, maybe eight nine percent, somewhere in that range. I didn't. I didn't figure it out uh, or figure it up. And there's been a lot of speculation about what's going to happen with this land. Exactly. What's it doing, et cetera. Um, before we even talk about that, let me give you an idea. I told you, I think, in the last episode that the original uh, cost to stay at the Contemporary was $30. And we know what that is now. The original purchase uh, for the land at Walt Disney World back in the 60s, some of it they got for 100 bucks an acre. For one thing, they were buying it through a multitude, multitude. of companies. Yes. And people didn't know. Can't do that these days. So it went from $100 an acre. Now, on the new purchase, they spent about $40 million. It averaged $14,400 an acre for the new acreage that, yes. is, that is going in. Uh, been a lot of people on, of course, Great thing about being online, people, oh, they're going to do this. Oh, the speculations are amazing. I just love to sit back and listen. And they're probably not going to do any of it. No. You know, what they've done, (laughs) they've filled in some gaps. I always said that the Disneyland, uh, and I've had that Disneyland, kind of looked like an upside down or a a sideways bow tie a lot because it had the two things. Exactly. They have filled in some of that. They're... um, the other thing I want you to think about, there's talk, there's been talk about a fifth park. Don't think that's going to happen. That kind of got fueled when Universal talked about their, their new park. Their brand new opening, yes. Um, oh, the other thing about the, the audio, I loved Walt Disney talking about, we just spent $20 million on I know, and but that, back then, that was a humongous amount of money. Huge amount of money back then. You know, along the way, the history here 
as they've only developed about 70% of the original land, even to this day, they say the majority of what's not developed is undevelopable. Mm-hmm. Now, exactly. I don't know why it's Disney. They have magic. They should be able to do uh, anything like that. But I want to. But you got to think go of ahead. the landscape where you're at in Florida. There are there are swamps, mm-hmm. and there's um, a lot of waterlands, wetlands that are not very conducive to building. And in some way, with Walt being such a conservationist, um, that's a lot of wildlife, too, that you would impact. So I think in some respects, I mean, we saw a lot of deer and turkey and all kinds of animals that I know were perfectly happy to be living on Disney property when we were there, especially when we were golfing. We saw a bunch of different wildlife. See any crocodiles or alligators? Uh, We did not, but we kept an eye out. And if my ball went in the water once and I said it can stay there Uh, so you got to think he was also a great conservationist so some of that land I believe will always remain untouched and undeveloped you were talking about flamingo crossings the zoning for flamingo crossings will allow them to put up to 15 hotels in there oh yes two already open five more being constructed all third-party operations so Mm -hmm. um you know as you hear about all this new land don't Get overly excited about what you think Walt and company are going to do or Disney and company are going to do. It's probably not going to be what you think. They also need a pretty good amount of land right now. You know, we talked the other day personally about the the solar farm. Yes. And what they're doing there now. And, and Amazing. Um, they have, The solar farms that they have right now do power two of their theme parks, Epcot and Magic Kingdom. Um, while I was at... Our, or my recent trip, we did the Keys to the Kingdom tour, which if you've got five hours, you don't mind taking five hours, it is well worth the value. If they are listening to this, they will not mind taking five exactly. hours. Exactly. Um, and we talked about all of that and the progression. Might take a little bit, and it may not it, it, take it for what it's worth. Literally, it's not even worth a penny for my thought. Sure. But if you look at Disneyland in California... They were not able to purchase what they really wanted. So the encroachment and the limits on that particular property, they're stuck where they're at. What they've got is what they've got. So looking at Disney World, I think the intention was always to make sure that they had control of what was around them because they don't in Disneyland anymore. I mean, once Disneyland became such a hot spot, everything that was already bought up, they could only get so much. Now, not only are they able to expand, they're able to control what comes in and out of that property. They're able to conserve that property, which I think is very important to the Disney company. And I think as there's, whether it's a fifth gate or just new things on, I mean, like the expansion in 2020, you're going to have the Ratatouille ride. Mm-hmm. You're going to have the Guardians of the Galaxy coming. You've got the Tron stuff. As they continue to expand even the current parks, you're going to need that little bit of land. And so I think it's an investment in their future, whether it be that they have plans now or it's another 20 years. Well, and they also need land for infrastructure. Yes. If you've been behind the scenes, I mean, you know, at one what time. What you see is. Well, you, know, well, you know, I remember at one time, I think they had three topiaries for every one that was on display. They were developing exactly. others because they need to swap those in and out. You have to have places to do laundry and to have, you know, uh, grow To store your parade floats, things. to build mechanics, to do all of this. 
um, when you do go backstage, what portion you're allowed to be backstage, it is amazing. And you understand, I can, I can see them buying more land. I may never see what goes on that land, but they've got it. And all I can say is it means more exciting things down the, down the road. You may not see it, but you will pay for it. Yes. Oh, yes, you will. Um, but I really thought this year with the several price increases between dining and tickets and annual pass holders, I thought they're going to start pricing themselves out, but they still haven't yet. I have said that for 30 years yes. and, you know, it can, and they continue to break records. In fact, you know, me being in the broadcast industry, the joke used to be ESPN had a bad year. Disney will raise park prices. <laughs> And, and, <laughs> exactly. and that was the joke, I mean, because they would do that. But that's okay. We we still keep going. We still keep enjoying it and, and all of that. And it gives us stuff to speculate. You so want that's to, uh, next episode, you want to talk about Disney dining and kind of go through it and analyze it? Oh, yes. And we'll be able to give a lot of great detail and a lot of specifics. I mean, not just what we think, but what I can literally put pen to paper. And for our particular... Um, experience whether it's worth it or not go to um, wetalkdisney.com you can always find the shows there they're also available on all the places you get your podcast make sure you look for us on facebook as well right now we do not have like a regular scheduled uh it's probably going to be every week to 10 days we we drop these in as it continues to grow i think we will We'll have a regular oh, scheduled yes. time, oh, but uh, you know we're just we're just having fun here, folks, and you hope you're having fun with us, and we hope you'll join us next time. My name's Ed Owen, and I'm Kimberly Allen, and this is We, we Talk, Talk Disney. Disney. We do that so well. Yes, we do. Thanks for joining us on We Talk Disney. This podcast is available wherever you download your podcasts, and always at wetalkdisney.com. And join us on Facebook. See you real soon. <laughs>